Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today is A Prophetic Shock. Luke chapter 19, the triumphal entry part two. We're actually going to do one more week on the triumphal entry next week and kind of a part two to this thing that I'm studying today. But it's a, a shock. And I'm going to talk about something shocking. You may, you may not know this about me unless you've spent any extended time with me. In that case, this won't surprise you or shock you at all. But you probably, if you've spent time with me, like going on a mission trip, Bob, or, uh, or married to me, uh, I, I have ADD. I'm an ADD person, okay? And if... Uh, Kim has spent a lot of time with me, and I'm, I'm OCD plus ADD, and you can imagine what her life has been like. I kept her on her toes, right? And the other night, she was, found this article on the Internet, and she starts reading it to me, and she was laughing. I go, what are you laughing? She goes, oh, I found this article. This is so illuminating. It, 20 things to remember if you love a person with ADD. And so she starts reading this, and, and, and I'll read a couple highlights on here. Uh, understanding what a person with ADD feels like will help you become more patient, tolerant, compassionate, and loving. Your relationship will become more enjoyable and peaceful. This is what goes on in the mind of a person with ADD. All right. They have an active mind. Number one, they have an active mind. I'm just going to read a couple of these. The ADD brain does not stop. There's no on and off switch. There are no brakes that bring it to a halt, which why having 13 kids has probably saved Kim's life because there's other people that share my, my, my time with her uh, it's, that probably inadvertently saved her sanity. All right. Um, this is what I'm going to come back to later. Number two, they listen but don't absorb much of what is being said. I'll come back to that in just a minute. They concentrate too intensely. Part of the reason why someone with AD doesn't hear everything you're saying is because once you say one thing, we, we lock in on what you say first and can't move on to the next thing because we're thinking so deeply about that. It says, when the doors of their mind open, the person with AD dives in like a scuba diver jumping into a deep ocean. It's not that we don't listen. It's just we really focus on what you said in the first place, right? Uh, another one, they have difficulty stopping a task when they're in the zone. <laughs> it says here, uh, people with ADD cannot concentrate when they're emotional or when their thoughts are distracted. However, when they're interested in a specific topic, they zone in so deep that it's hard to pull them out of that zone. This is what Kim was really laughing about. Starting a project is a challenge, but stopping it is an even bigger challenge. Uh, she says, like, like the fossils, <laughs> she says to me, or getting wood. If you come to our house now, you'll see wood all stacked in. I think it looks great in our living room, but, but Kim doesn't like it. But anyway, um, here's some positives. They are deeply intuitive. For people with ADD, the surface is an invisible exterior that they penetrate. They see beyond it. This is the most enjoyable aspect of ADD. This inspirational trait is what makes creative geniuses, inventors, artists, musicians, and writers thrive in this zone. They think out of the box. Another one, they think out of the box. Another wonderful aspect of AD is that ADD is that they be because they think differently, their abstract minds see solutions to problems that the concrete thinker cannot see. They are impatient and fidgety, annoyed easily, wanting things to happen immediately, and constantly playing with their phones, twirling their hair, or bouncing their leg up and down. A person with ADD needs constant motion. It's calming activity for them. 
They're physically sensitive. Kim got a real kick out of this one. Pencils feel heavy in their hand. Fibers in fabric that most people wouldn't feel can be itchy, like tags, you know? She's like, like tags, because we got to cut them all out, and now we have about four kids that are the same way. We got to go, every, they keep bringing their shirts and stuff to cut their tags out of. Why do they put tags in shirts? So irritating. But anyway, um, uh, food textures that you can't imagine. Beds are bumpy, you know, on and on. They're disorganized. Piles are their favorite method of organizing. Oh, this is so funny. We have a lot of conversations at my house. 16, uh, this is another one. They need space to pace. When talking on the phone or having a conversation, people with ADD think better when they are in motion. Movement is calming and brings clarity to their thought. If you ever had a game, you see me at the kids' game, I never sit, I'm always standing. Everybody else sits in bed chairs, I cannot do that. If I wasn't up here preaching, I'd be standing in the back. Can't do that. All right, so... Uh, they can't remember simple tasks. Oh, this is funny. People with ADD can't remember to pick up their clothes at the cleaner, milk at the grocery store, or appointments. On the other hand, they remember every comment, quote, and phone number they heard during the day. They have many tasks going on at the same time. The more going on at once, the better. Multitasking is one of their favorite activities. Not productive multitasking, but multi I remember being, I remember being at, at a kid, and, and I would be reading a book. I'd turn on the TV, and I'd put, turn on the radio, and I'd let, I needed all three going at the same time to relax. That's what I did to relax when I was younger. Um, and, and here's another one. They are passionate about everything they do. They're intense. They feel deeply. They can't understand why other people don't feel as deeply as them about certain things. Uh, so Kim and I were getting a real kick out of this. But the one that, that, that I wanted to kind of focus on to lead in today is they listen but don't absorb what is being said. A person with ADD will look at you, hear your words, watch your lips move. <laughs> but after the first five words, their minds are on a journey. They can still hear you speak, but their thoughts are in outer space. They're thinking about how your lips are moving or how your hair is out of place. Uh, and Kim's like, you know, you do that to a lot of people. I go, I can't help it, you know, I can't help it. She goes, yeah, but, so listen, if I do that to you, don't take it personally. I, I'm, if you start talking to me and it seems like I'm zoning out, I'm not. I'm still thinking about what you said the first first line you said, I'm focused on that. You said something and I'm already thinking about how to solve that or how to do something. So we, 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 it's not that I don't listen, I'm just listening too intently to first thing. So anyway, we, we are going to see some people, and I want to focus on that last thing about not listening. We're going to focus on people with spiritual ADD. See, if you have Human AD, is no, it's not that big a deal. You can function, I'm functional, uh, we're all functional, with all many different things that we have, right? But if we have spiritual ADD, it's a very, very big problem, very, very serious. And we're going to see some people here with spiritual ADD, they miss out on what Jesus is trying to tell them. And about, about who he is and why he came to earth and, and why he's in Jerusalem right now. We're going to see they're missing the whole point. If you've missed part one to this triumphal entry, make sure you get the CD, listen to it, or go on the podcast, listen, because there's a lot more to the story of the triumphal entry. There's a lot more than a parade and cheering crowds. We already saw how just before the triumphal entry, Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. 
And there were two intense, divergent responses. The people were really excited about this, annoyed. This guy's the Messiah. And some of the religious leaders became very angry with, with, with hatred, murderous hatred. We saw that. We also talked about how Jesus, riding into Jerusalem during the Passover, he's riding really into a powder keg. We talked about what Jerusalem was like, the religious excitement, the possible riots that were going on at this time with the Romans. We saw how the crowd realized that Jesus, was the Messiah. They're excited. They've connected the dots. They started saying these praises right out of Psalms that were calling him the, the Messianic king. But we also looked at the Messianic prophecies that Jesus fulfilled by writing in. Through his triumphal entry, he fulfilled many Messianic prophecies. We saw that. Once again, get the CDs, tapes, all that. Uh, listen to the podcast. But we'll see today that not everybody is excited by this parade. Many of the religious leaders are seeing red, blood red. We'll see today that they have blinded themselves to obvious prophecies which prove that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of God. And as we talked about last time, even their rejection is fulfilling prophecy because that was prophesied. Even the rejection was prophesied. And it's accomplishing, and the rejection is also not just prophesied, but it's accomplishing a very important purpose. It's accomplishing God's purpose, the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the cross, which looked like such a bad thing, was really our victory over sin and over death and over Satan, and it was proven by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But that does not excuse their spiritual ADD. It doesn't excuse them. It doesn't excuse any of us. They, of all people, should have recognized the Messiah. Put on your seatbelts because you're going to be shocked. We're in for a prophetic shock. And don't miss next week because it's part two to what we're talking about, okay? Part two to this and part three to the triumphal entry. Let me pray first. Father, we thank you for getting us here today. I know many of us went through many challenges just to even get here. Trials and struggles in our lives. But Lord, we know you've brought us here for a reason. And even if, even if we've been through many battles, there's a purpose in these battles. And, and you're, you're doing something in our life. We pray that your Holy Spirit would use your word today to encourage us in our struggles and encourage us. And I pray that we would not have spiritual ADD, but we would be able to hear what you're saying to us through your son, Jesus Christ. We pray for your spirit to do this and your mercy and grace. Amen. Okay, let's look at Luke 19. And we'll look at, we're going to look at 38 to 44 as our jump off place. Once again, we're kind of, I'm going to jump in on the triumphal entry where the people say, verse 38, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes, the days will come upon you when your enemies will build embankments against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. 
Okay, let's look at 39 and 40. We'll start off with this. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. These people were quoting, we talked about how they're quoting the Messianic Psalms. Psalm 118, we looked at that last week. How they're quoting this. And the Pharisees are upset because they've rejected Jesus. They made the decision to reject Jesus. They say, rebuke your disciples. But Jesus says something incredible. If they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. We almost had our very first rock concert here way back in the old, very back here in the New Testament times, 2,000 years ago. But there were no electric guitars, so they would have to, it would have, had to have been rock cappella. Uh, <clears throat> I thought of that this week. But anyway, uh, we almost had to do acapella this morning, right, worship team? Look what Jesus says in response to this rejection. This rejection, which will lead to his crucifixion, look what he says here in 41 to 41 to 44, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if even you had known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it has been hidden from your eyes, the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. The triumphal entry becomes the tearful entry, doesn't it? And Jesus prophesies Jerusalem's total destruction, which we'll see, we'll talk about a little later. It's fulfilled in 70 AD. And all because they did not recognize this day, the time of God's coming. This day, remember that, this day, the time of God's coming. They had no excuse because God had told them exactly when the Messiah would come. We're going to talk about this in a minute. But they had missed it because they had rejected the Messiah. They had rejected the Messiah. Psalm 118, 22 to 24, we looked at that last week, remember? And in Psalm 118, 22 it says, The stone the builders rejected, the builders, the religious leaders rejected, has become the capstone. The Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Now we talk about this day, the day that Jesus was crucified. That's the day that is prophetically talked about right there. But they missed it because they had rejected the Messiah. It had been... Their rejection, we saw in Psalm 118, their 22, the, was prophesied. The builders, the religious leaders were going to reject Jesus Christ. It was, it's prophesied, but that's no excuse, especially for the religious leaders. These guys are the biblical scholars. They're the ones who knew the Bible. They knew the, the scriptures. A lot of them had it memorized. And yet they, they, they didn't understand what it was trying to say because they had been blinded. They had blinded themselves. The triumphal entry was prophesied in the Old Testament. Now, I'm going to shock you here. It was prophesied in the Old Testament in the book of Daniel. Look at Daniel 9, and I'll put it up right up behind us here. In Daniel 9, 24 to 26, Daniel in his, is, gives a prophecy. And listen to what he says in verse 24, starting with 24. Seventy-sevens are decreed for your people and your holy city to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in an everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. 
Know and understand this from the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler, comes. There will be seven sevens and sixty-two sevens. It will be rebuilt with street and trench, but in times of trouble. After the sixty-two sevens, the anointed one will be cut off and will have nothing. The people of the ruler who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. Now, now put on your seatbelts here. This is going to be wild. Robert Anderson worked for Scotland Yard. He applied the investigative techniques that they used for solving crimes and solving you know, the Scotland Yard stuff. He applied it to Bible prophecy and specifically to the book of Daniel here. Now, Daniel talked, uh, he wrote a book. He wrote a book called The Coming Prince. You can still get this book, The Coming Prince. He was knighted for his efforts. It's such a, it was such a shocking book and so well done. Sir Robert Anderson. And he, his findings is on the time from the decree to the coming prince, he found a very, an amazing discovery biblically. Daniel talks about 70 times 7. Uh, doing all the math there, it ends up 62 plus 7 and then the final 7. 70 times 7 is 490 years. That's what the, the prophecy is talking about, okay? 70 times 7 is 490 years. The first 69 times 7 has already been fulfilled, as we're going to see in just a moment. So the first 69 sevens of years are already fulfilled. The last seven years, the 70th seven, has not been fulfilled yet. There's a prophetic gap. that You see that often in Hebrew scripture, prophetic gaps. And the first 69 are already fulfilled. The 70th seven, the last seven years, are going to be fulfilled in the time of Revelation. We call it the tribulation. That's the last seven years, and we're going to talk about that next week, okay? So don't miss next week. So back to what Sir Robert Anderson found. We're going to talk about the last seven next time, but the 69 sevens we're going to talk about today. What Robert Anderson found is when he first of all tried to figure out when did the 70 times 7 begin? When does it begin? When does this... this prophetic vision timetable start kicking in and it starts we look at verse 25 it says no one understand this from the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild jerusalem until the anointed one the ruler comes there will be seven sevens and 62 sevens okay it will be rebuilt with streets and trench but in times of trouble if you know anything about when jerusalem was rebuilt nehemiah you know this is exactly what happened but from the time to the decree went to rebuild Jerusalem is the starting of this prophecy. Okay? When was the decree given? There were three decrees given to rebuild the temple. All right? Ezra. But we know from Nehemiah when the decree was given the, the, by King Artaxerxes gives Nehemiah permission to rebuild Jerusalem's walls for Jerusalem to be rebuilt. We know exactly when this is from Nehemiah. It was the first day of Nisan in Artaxerxes' 20th year, King Artaxerxes' 20th year. We know historically exactly that day. We call it March 14th, 445 B.C. That's when the prophecy was given, okay? So Daniel talks about 7 plus 62 is 69. You times that by 7 years, and you come up with, who knows math? 483... 483 years, okay? Then you multiply 483 by 
360. They have a different calendar. 360. The Hebrew prophetic year was 360 days. So you times it by that and you come up with how many days? No rain, no rain men here? Okay. Uh, it's 173,880 days. 170, Daniel's saying from the time of the re, giving the decree to rebuild Jerusalem till the Messiah comes, the anointed one comes, is 173,880 days. So we take March 14th, 445 B.C., and we add 173,800 days, 880 days, I'm sorry, and we end up on the exact date of April 6th, 32 A.D. This is what Sir Robert Anderson figured out from the prophecy. Exactly April 6, 32 A.D., which was the exact day that Jesus Christ rode into Jerusalem and presented himself as the Messiah publicly. Wild. Wild. The exact day. We know all these days, they're all historical days. Sir Isaac Newton has said you could stake the truth of Christianity on Daniel 9 alone. That's enough. There was a rabbi, Rabbi Leopold Kahn. I'll just read you what he found with this. Leopold Kahn, a European rabbi, studied the prophecy of the 70 weeks of Daniel, and on the basis of, of the verses 25 and 26, came to the conclusion that the Messiah had already come. He was puzzled, and he approached an older rabbi and said, where's the Messiah? He has to be here, according to Daniel. The, guy, the rabbi didn't know, but he told him he thought the Messiah was in New York City. <laughs> so Kahn sold everything he owned. He bought a passage to America seeking the Messiah. He arrived in New York and began to wander up and down the streets looking for the Messiah. One night he walked past the door of a gospel mission and heard people singing. He went and sat down in the back of the room and heard a preacher talk about Jesus Christ, the Messiah. That night, Leopold Kahn received Jesus Christ as his Savior. Soon after, he bought a stable, swept it out, set up some chairs, and began to hold his own gospel meetings. The, that was the first outreach what was become the American Board of Missions to the Jews. It all just started because a rabbi read the ninth chapter of Daniel. That's the power of this, this passage. It, it's, just, it's just incredible. And as I just think about it, it's just, it's just shocking, isn't it? How clear this prophecy is. But there's more. Not only was the triumphal entry predicted, but also the cross. Follow me on this. Verse 26, let's read that again in uh, Daniel. After the 62 sevens, the anointed one will be cut off and will have nothing. The people of the ruler who will, who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. So <clears throat> the Messiah is going to be cut off. He mentions the 62, but the sevens already happened. So after the 69, after the triumphal entry... The Messiah, it says here, is going to be cut off. It means to kill or destroy. Literally in the Hebrew, it means to punish by piercing. 
To punish by piercing, that's what the word actually means. And the execution of the Messiah is clearly taught in the Old Testament scriptures. Read Isaiah 53, read Psalm 22, many, many other passages. And also exactly when the Messiah is going to be crucified and cut off. Exactly when. It's after the 69th week, after the triumphal entry, after the 69th week, it's, this is what Daniel says, but it's also before the temple is destroyed. Did you follow that in verse 26? It's after the triumphal entry, but before the temple is destroyed, the Messiah is going to be cut off. He's going to be crucified, we call it. Now, the first temple, when Daniel is writing, there was no temple. The first temple was already destroyed, right? It's destroyed. But he knows prophetically a second temple is going to be rebuilt. The second temple. It's going to be rebuilt. The prophecies are clear. And the Messiah will come to that temple. The Messiah has to come to the second temple. But that temple in turn will be destroyed by who? The Romans. That's going to be destroyed. So what does that mean for us today? We know there's going to be a third temple rebuilt, right? It's going to happen prophetically. book of Revelation talks about it. But the Messiah, after the triumphal entry, is going, to be, is going to come to the second temple and then be crucified. Which means the Messiah has to already have come. People are waiting for the Messiah to come. They are missing a very important prophecy. He had to come to the second temple. So can the Messiah come now? Can an unknown Messiah appear? I don't know. He can't. He can only come back again. He had, the Messiah had to come to the, the second temple. It's impossible. If, a, if somebody came and said, I'm the Messiah, and, and came now, you can't accept him because he can't come to the second temple. He already had to come. The Jewish leaders knew this. That's why when Rome was destroyed in, in uh, sorry, I'm sorry. That's why when Rome destroyed Jerusalem in 70 AD, they wept because the Messiah had not come yet. I'm going to give you some information from an incredible book. It's called The Search for Messiah by Mark Eastman and Chuck Smith. A lot of you know started, Chuck Smith started Calvary Chapel movement. Let me read you something. This is wild stuff here. It says, Daniel states that the Messiah would be cut off punished with death by piercing. The prophecy then states that after the Messiah is cut off, the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. In the year 70 BC, 10 legions of Roman soldiers under the Roman general Titus Vespasian destroyed the city of Jerusalem and the second temple. Josephus dramatically records that the city was burned to the ground and millions of Jews were killed, cannibalized, or starved to death. A final note on this prophecy, it was written by Daniel at a time when the temple in Jerusalem was desolate, there was no temple, destroyed in 587 B.C. There was no indication in Daniel's day that it would be rebuilt. However, Daniel states that after the temple was rebuilt, the Messiah would come and then the prince of the people who is to come would destroy it again. So the Messiah, now get this, the Messiah had to come to the second temple. Prophetically, had to before it was destroyed. In the aftermath of the Roman invasion, the people wept in the streets, crying that the temple had been destroyed, yet the Messiah had not yet come. The people were weeping. 
because they knew the Messiah was going to come to that temple and they said he didn't come. Well, he did come, didn't he? He did come. He was there. And, and many of them, not all, many of them missed it. Many rabbis throughout history have recognized this. Let me read you a couple from different rabbis. Uh, 12th century rabbi Moses ben Maimon, one of the most respected rabbis in history, and a man who rejected the messianic claims of Jesus of Nazareth said regarding Daniel's 70 weeks of prophecy. He said this, Daniel has shown to us the knowledge of the end times. However, since they are secret, the wise rabbis have barred the calculation and see, you know, with the calculation, Sir Robert, right? The wise rabbis have barred the calculation of the days of the Messiah's coming so that the untutored populace will not be led astray when they see that the end times have already come, but there's no sign of the Messiah. He added up the days. He knew it. He knew exactly what Daniel said. And he knew who fulfilled it, but he rejected Jesus Christ. Wild, huh? Here's another one. Rabbi Moses Abraham Levi said, I have examined and searched all the Holy Scriptures and have not found the time for the coming of the Messiah clearly fixed except in the words of Gabriel to the prophet Daniel which are written in the ninth chapter of the prophecy of Daniel. It's clear. They knew it. God had made it clear when the Messiah would come and he showed clearly who it was. It was Jesus Christ. And that's why God has held him accountable for this day. That's why Jerusalem was judged. In verse 26, destroyed by the people of the ruler who is to come. Who is the ruler who is to come? Talking about the 70th week? It's the Antichrist. Talking about the Antichrist. And the Antichrist is going to rule the revived Roman Empire. We already see it all falling into place, the European Union, right? We all see it. So the Romans would destroy Jerusalem just as Jesus had prophesied. In fact, I just want to read you this. Uh, let's look back at Luke 19 here. In Luke 19, where he says, verse 41 to 44, he says, verse 44, they will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. It's going to be destroyed. Not one stone left on another. That's a prophecy of Jesus that was fulfilled literally. Let me read you another thing from the book here. Another event, uh, let's see, 38 years after the end of the 69th week and the 70. A.D., Titus Vespian and the 5th, 10th, 12th, and 15th Roman legions laid siege to the city and slaughtered more than a million inhabitants. Now get this. Inadvertently, the interior of the temple caught fire. The extensive gold coverings and fixtures had melted, and it was subsequently taken apart stone by stone to recover the gold. Because the gold had melted, they didn't want to burn the temple. They wanted to get the gold first, but it melted before they could get it. it, it the, the gold went into the cracks, and they had to take the, the, the temple apart stone by stone to get the, the gold out of there. Incredible fulfillment. Incredible. This is amazing proof from Daniel. How could they miss it? The same reason we miss it today. There's not lack of proof. But it's because of hard hearts that people reject Jesus. They wanted a Messiah of their own making. 
The triumphal entry, they were, they were hoping for a worldly hero, someone to defeat the Romans for them there and now, not someone to pay for their sins. Just like the USA Today, right? A lot of people like God, right? But it's the God they create in their own mind. They invent their own God. You know, we talked about this before. Build a bear, we, we build a Jesus. We build the Jesus that we want to follow. And, and there's a lot of people in our country that do that. We, want to, we don't want the Jesus of the Bible. We want a genie in the bottle. That's what we're looking for. There's problems. We can rub that bottle and out pops Jesus and does what we want him to do. And, and we're, so many people I know, they're excited about God until they start to really see what God's word says. And, and it starts to go against what they feel or what they want to do or what they want to believe. And then they don't like him anymore. That's what happened with Jesus. Many, that's why many in the, in the cheering crowd became a murderous mob. Because they didn't like the real Jesus. They liked the Jesus they had created in their own mind. And a lot of people, a lot of us in the USA today, that's what, we're all for that supreme being, that Santa Claus kind of a God who does let us, let us do what we want. But if he puts any, if he tries to tell us how to live the right way, the way that we're really going to have peace and joy and, and freedom in Christ, but it, it goes against the flesh. But once we live that way, it sets us free, right? If you hold to my teaching, then you're really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But we have to be willing to submit to him to be set free. And that's why they rejected Jesus Christ, the Messiah. That's why he was crucified on the cross. They rejected him. Daniel 9 talks about that. Back to Daniel. Daniel 9 says he was cut off. Daniel 9, 26 after the 62 sevens, the anointed one will be cut off and will have nothing. He's going to be cut off. He's going to be crucified. He will have nothing. He didn't receive what was due him as the king of the Jews and the king of the universe. He didn't receive what was due him yet. He's going to, the book of Revelation, the second coming, he's going to receive what is due him. But although he has nothing, he will accomplish something very important. Now get this. Although it says here he has nothing, he's not going to accomplish nothing. He's going to accomplish something very, very important. He's going to accomplish what he came to do on his first coming. Verse 24 shows what he came to do. Seven, verse 24, 77 are decreed for your people and your holy city to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness. That's what he came to do. To finish transgression. What did Jesus say? The last words on the cross. It is finished. To put an end to sin. What did Jesus come to do? To put an end to sin. To, to pay for our sins on the cross. That's what he came to do. To atone for the wicked. Who are the wicked? That's us. He atoned for us. The word atone atonement in the New Testament is really three words. At one meant. They couldn't figure out how to find one English word that fit way back in, in when they were translating the Bible. And so they actually used three words, at one minute. That's what Jesus came to do. We were separated from God because of our sin, because of our rebellion, completely separated from the holy God. No chance to get into heaven someday, completely separated. But Jesus died on the cross, took our sin, our punishment. He was our substitute. He, he ransomed us. And so because of that, now we can become at one with God again. We can reconnect with God. We're not shut out of heaven anymore. We're not shut out of a relationship with God. At one minute. And now we have to bring righteousness. To make us righteous. 
We have to be righteous to, be, to, to, to come into God's presence, a holy God's presence. And that's what he came to do, to set us right, to help us live the right way, to help us live the way he, God intended for us. In Romans 3, 21 to 26, and this is what I'm going to end with here, Romans 3, 21 to 26 says, I love this passage talking about this, says, but now a righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of God's glory and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did it to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice as of the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. Verse 21, but now a righteousness from God has been revealed. A righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known. We, this is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Have you ever had your sins paid for? Are you at one with God? It's only through faith in Jesus Christ. It's only by putting our faith in his blood to all who believe. That's why Jesus came. That's why this prophecy is in place. That's why he came so that we could become one with God again. So that we can, and once we do that, God changes our life he we start to follow him and he transforms us and we live a whole new life of freedom in christ and a whole new life of peace and joy a whole different life doesn't mean all our problems go away no 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 but we have a supernatural strength and we have a purpose in our life and we see god's work through faith in jesus christ john three sixteen. for god so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Do you have that life? And if you have that life, those of us who have already put our faith in Jesus Christ, something else really jumps out in this Luke 19 and Daniel 9. God is in control. He knew the exact day Jesus was going to come. His son was going to come and present himself. And all the things in history, 500 years from the, almost 500 years since the time that Daniel had prophesied it. That's a long time. God, where are you? What are you doing? Look at the mess that had happened in the world and in Jerusalem and in Israel throughout that time. And yet God was in control. He had a plan, didn't he? And his plan was fulfilled to the letter, to the second, fulfilled. He had it all mapped out. And not only that for this, but for our lives. He has our life, a plan for our life, mapped out. And we can make a lot of mess of it, but he's that junk artist. He keeps taking it and putting it back together again, doesn't he? And he keeps making something beautiful out of the mess that we keep creating. He's the ultimate junk artist, God. And by faith, we need to hold his hand. We're saved by faith, but we also have to Live by faith. We need to hold his hand and trust him, even as the ride gets very bumpy. Even if it takes longer than we want. You ever wait 500 years for something? 
Seems like 500 years, doesn't it? Even if, even if it doesn't go the way we want it to go, it doesn't make sense humanly. Do you think the cross made sense? Jesus being killed? Do you remember the disciples? They all freaked out. What is going on? But God had a purpose. It doesn't make human sense the way God works. It goes against human wisdom. But that's why we need to live by faith, not feelings. Not feelings. Faith in Jesus Christ and his word. Let's pray. How is God speaking to us this morning? Maybe life hasn't made sense to you. Maybe we find ourselves really questioning God or or mad at God. Maybe we're so focused on what's going on that we're missing what God's trying to do. Would our prayer be today, God, I'm going to just take hold of your hand. And I'm going to follow you by faith. Trusting your timing. Trusting you that the crosses that we have to bear are, are there for a reason. You're accomplishing your purpose in my life through these things. An eternal purpose. Something that I'm going to enjoy for eternity. And Father, we pray that we would not miss out on the joy of the journey and the peace that you've promised to give us in the midst of the trouble in this world as we live by faith. Maybe you're here today and you've never had your sins forgiven. You are not at one with God yet, but today you realize for the first time that you can be at one mint through the atonement, through faith, by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. And you can do that right now. It doesn't take a religious ritual. Doesn't, you don't have to wait for a certain day. It's a prayer of faith. Right where you're sitting, you can pray the prayer of faith. God, I believe Jesus is the Messiah. I believe he's your son. I believe he died for my sin. To pay for the wrong I've done. And I want to repent of that sin. I want to leave that old life behind and give my life to you, God. I'm putting my faith in Jesus. I'm giving my life to him. If you've prayed that prayer of faith, God's word promises that you are now at one with God. Your sins are forgiven. You have a brand new life in Jesus Christ. God's spirit is now living in your heart. And your life will never be the same.
Never. I want to encourage you to let somebody know if you've prayed that prayer. Maybe you have a friend or family member here. or Tell me on the way out or fill out the card in the bulletin, stick it in the box or text me, email me. Let somebody know so that we can be excited for you and, and encourage you in your new life in Jesus Christ. Help you grow in your new life. Father, I pray that everyone here would be saved by faith and we would live by faith. Give us hope, give us encouragement as we hold on to your hand. I pray every one of us would know the joy and the peace and the power of that close relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen.